0: Please be seated. Good evening to you. The book of Ezekiel, chapter 34 this evening. Sunday night through the Bible, Genesis to Revelation, and uh, Ezekiel chapter 34 tonight. If you're with us tonight and you don't have a Bible, just wave to one of these guys coming up the aisle right now, and they'll get you a Bible mark to our passage tonight. Uh, you'll need one to make sense of what we're going to be talking about this evening and to follow along. And if you don't own a Bible, please make that Bible a gift from us to you uh, this evening. Here in chapter uh, 34, uh, Israel's uh, false shepherds that had basically driven the nation of of, uh, Judah into a ditch is contrasted with the true shepherd that… Uh, Jesus Christ that is going to come in the future and be revealed to uh, the Jewish people, at least from the context of time of of Ezekiel in the Old uh, Testament. The prophecies from this point on in uh, chapter 34 on will focus uh, completely upon Israel, uh, their immediate circumstances as they find themselves in this 70-year captivity to Babylon all the way through to their restoration to the land under Nebuchadne- uh, under uh, uh, Nehemiah and Ezra, and then ultimately even to the kingdom age when a, a new temple is going to be built, and great elaboration on that at the end of, of the book uh, of Ezekiel. On the, the short term, one of the problems that God faced was what to do with all the corrupt leadership within Israel that had led Uh, Judah into the kind of sin, the kind of idolatry, their failure to stand against it, and uh, that ended up in the kind of wickedness that uh, landed them in a Babylonian captivity, the northern kingdom of Israel first to the Assyrians and the southern kingdom of of Judah to uh, the Babylonians. And so God is speaking about the fact that He is going to judge them and he is going to remove their influence permanently from among God's people as a, uh, a needed measure of purification from them uh, of the Jewish people in order that they might, he might bring them back after 70 years into the land and no longer under the kind of corrupted uh, spiritual system that the shepherds had Uh, spiritual leaders had led uh, Israel into. Uh, The chapter uh, deals with not merely with the spiritual leaders of the priests and of the prophets, but also uh, the kings and princes that were also in power. But he focuses supremely upon uh, the spiritual leaders because they hold a uh, maybe in In the eyes of of Israel, at the time that they went into their captivity, they probably esteemed the kings and the princes higher uh, than the the prophets and the priests. but uh, that 's never the case in god 's eyes. The prophets and the priests uh, were uh, to uh, to have that spiritual dimension, that spiritual influence among the people uh, for them to neglect their responsibility was a greater sin than for uh, these secular leaders to fail theirs, to, to, to whom much is a given, much is required. And so God, it's really one of the strongest um, chapters of judgment in the Old Testament that is uh, focused very much upon uh, these, these shepherds with tremendous applications uh, for today. Um, I, I, every once in a while in the course of my walk with the Lord for uh, 40 years now, Um, I will hear a preacher, I have heard them every once in a while, thankfully not that often, but um, a a preacher, a pastor, a Bible teacher will get up and begin to kind of wail on us as Christians as the uh, great cause for uh, all of the problems in the world. And if the church was only the church, then the world wouldn't be what the world is. And then they just… You know, pile this condemnation upon us, uh, and and that the the if we would just be what we are supposed to be, then the world wouldn't be in the terrible condition that it's in. I always just kind of hold my breath and and try to get through that, and, and hope he finishes and moves on to something else because I don't I don't believe uh, that at all. Uh, it, it's interesting that in the thousand year reign of Christ. Uh, before the new heaven and the new earth after the rapture of the church. Uh, The entire world population lives in perfection under the leadership of Jesus for a thousand years. I mean, there's no sin, no wickedness, no, no corruption is allowed. No need for police, no need for armies, no need for any of that. And from a perfect environment, what does man do when he, Satan is released at the end of a thousand years to tempt man one more time? Not Christians, but those that populate the earth at that time. One more time, uh, they uh, gather behind uh, the devil in numbers that are too big uh, to even put into words, and they rebel against uh, the lordship and the leadership of Jesus. And so you can make the world perfect and people are going to do what they do, and we can't bear the responsibility for that. But it doesn't minimize the fact that leaders do have a special responsibility uh, any time, uh, but uh, especially during times of, of corruption, apostasy, idolatry among God's people uh, to do what… not necessarily what people want, but what they… Uh, what they, uh, what they, they need. And, uh, and so here he uh, brings them into that judgment. My brethren, uh, let not many of you become teachers knowing that we shall receive the stricter judgment. And uh, I will, uh, every pastor, every leader in this church, and every pastor and leader in every church in the entire world will face a stricter, harsher judgment than uh, other Christians will. And uh, it's a, a necessary because the stakes are so high and the responsibilities are are so gr- uh, great. And so he begins it there in, in verse 1, and the Word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, prophesy against… that's never a good uh, thing that we want to, to hear as a shepherd… against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, thus says the Lord God to the shepherds. So, uh, shepherd was very, very uh, familiar imagery in the ancient world. The shepherd was the leader. God is likened to a shepherd in the Scriptures. We as His people are likened uh, to sheep. Sheep need a shepherd. They need to be led. Uh, and if they are not uh, led by God and then properly led by under-shepherds, then uh, sheep are, 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 are going to be in immense danger and, and get into all kinds of problems. And so he said to the shepherds, his under-shepherds, woe to the shepherds of Israel who feed themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flocks? And so we see that the focus of these shepherds, and, and he is going to kind of uh, denounce, I think, about four things here uh, uh, that, that they, they did wrong, and, and so they didn't care about the people. They put their own interests above Uh, above the people. The flock was just something that was to be used for their own selfish ends. I I remember distinctly, I know I can remember, I don't know how many decades ago it was, but it was decades. And I remember being a young pastor and uh, thinking something through with the Lord. I don't even know what I was thinking through with Him, but I remember what He spoke to me. And, And He spoke to me and He said, you take care of them, and I take care of you. That's the priority. It's never a choice in a shepherd who's been called by God, a choice between taking care of themselves and their needs and that of the flock. If we will take care of the flock, God will take care of us, and that's how it works. But that can never get flipped around, and it's easy for it to get flipped around, where the shepherd, in order to be like Jesus, has to be willing to give his life for the sheep. And we tend not to do that in a moment in time in this culture, but we'll give it a minute at a time, an hour at a time, a day at a time, a decade at a time in terms of our lives until it's it's ultimately uh, spent. But anybody that wants to be a shepherd, anybody that wants to be a leader, certainly anybody who is called to that, uh, it is to lay a life down over and over and over again and put the needs of the people uh, above their own. And they got that all upside down. They made it about feeding themselves. And then he goes on in verse 3 and he says, You eat the fat and clothe yourselves Uh, with wool, but you slaughter the fatlings, the flock. Uh, uh, You do not feed the flock. So when he talks about clothing yourself with wool, uh, that was more than linen. That was a very nice uh, cloth uh, to be uh, clothed in. When he talks about eating the fat, boy, if you could uh, in the ancient world, number one, meat was something that was meted out in small measures. If you got to eat meat once a day, uh, you were a prince. And then to get a little fat with that, wow! You know, so they were basically, the old saying uh, today they were violating was that the, the, the leader, the shepherd, the pastor is called to feed the flock and not to fleece the flock. And uh, never, ever to take and use that position and, and uh, God's use of a person in that position. And sometimes uh, m- money and resources can become available as a result of that, that they can begin to uh, channel uh, excessively in their direction, and uh, then where the people's needs are neglected. And that is uh, to never happen. So they're living in luxury while the flock is, is trying uh, to get by uh, a day at a time. They're fleecing the flock rather than, than feeding the flock. It was interesting, uh, you might have seen in the last month or so, uh, one of the prosperity teachers in the United States of America, uh, his net worth, uh, which he did not deny at all, uh, and in fact confirmed his, uh, his net worth, $750 million dollars. I mean I wouldn't even I wouldn't blink at 5 million. I wouldn't blink at 10 honestly on that. But do you know do you know how long it takes me to count to 750 and that each one of those represents a million dollars that belongs to God and that is in my pocket uh, book and my bank account? because I've raised it off of God's people telling them if they would send me enough seed faith money, they would be healed or they would become financially prosperous. I would begin to disperse that money uh, in a 24-hour period if I could, Uh, if, if that kind of kingdom resources ended up in the pocket of just one single shepherd in the body of Christ. It's a violation. It is to take the poor, make that money off of them, fleece them so that I can uh, be worth three-quarters of a billion dollars, and, uh, and then consider that to be a testimony to uh, the truth of the prosperity doctrine that, that I'm teaching. These things are not new. They're, they're, they're as, as old as, as can be. He said, the weak you have not strengthened nor have you healed those who were sick, nor bound up the broken, nor brought back what was driven away, nor sought uh, what was lost. Completely self-consumed, completely self-focused, no concern uh, for the body, but with force and cruelty you have uh, ruled them. And so they were shepherds on top of all of this who treated uh, the people abusively. They treated them uh, harshly, and uh, that was another one of their, their characteristics. It's an interesting thing to me, um, is I've been a pastor for 35 years, and this, it's always been a mystery to me for why Christians stay in a church where they are being, as described here, uh, they are being ruled with force and cruelty. Uh, why put up with that kind of, of abuse and mistreatment? And yet people do. And they do in large uh, numbers. And I, I'm not, I haven't solved the mystery of that. I don't know if it's like a guilt complex and they feel like they, the life that they're living, they deserve to be beat up and mistreated uh, every single week or what it might be. It is a fascinating thing that... Um, uh, when Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, uh, he wrote concerning the same leadership style that was going on there. He said in Second uh, Corinthians chapter 11, verse 19, he said, For you put up with fools gladly, since you are su- yourselves are wise. For you put up with, uh, with it if one brings you into bondage, if one devours you, if one uh, takes from you, if one exalts himself if one uh, strikes you uh, on your face and to our shame, I say that we were too weak for that. We were too weak to do that to you. But it was a common, common uh, characteristic. There is an interesting thing, uh, and it can nurture this kind of cruelty uh, and this kind of abusive uh, attitude and treatment of, of sheep uh, within shepherds Uh, And one of the things about it is that it works. Uh, In 35 years of, of pastoral ministry, I can't tell you how many pastors and leaders have been burned by being nice leaders, by being kind leaders, by being gentle leaders. And there's a certain kind of person, there's a certain kind of Christian, they are carnal to the core, but they exist, who view that as a weakness, something to take advantage of. And over the long haul of, of public ministry, as that kind of thing surfaces over and over and over again, you can slip into a thing of just treating people harshly in order that they know where they need to keep their place in their relationship with me or someone uh, like me. And it's easy to fall into that. And this kind of person respects that. They will honor the boundary, and where they would be abusive then to a leader who is gentle and kind, they will submit to that kind of person. But it, it's all, the person that will do that, it's interesting that Paul writes to the church at Corinth concerning this because he wrote to that church and he said, basically, you're carnal through and through. I wish I could write to you as spiritual people, but you're not. You're Christians, yes, you're on your way to heaven, but you're dominated by the flesh through and through. So it is a mark of a carnal Christian, no truly spiritual Christian will ever respond to gentle, kind leadership in this way. But not every Christian is a spiritual uh, Christian. But the point is, is that no matter how the shepherd is treated by the flock, he cannot resort to this. He cannot go to this place, because it misrepresents uh, the Lord. And so they were scattered in verse 5 concerning the sheep because there was no shepherd. And they became food for all of the beasts of the field when they were scattered. And so the sheep were scattered under their leadership. The worst thing that can happen, we see scattered, scattered, okay, what's the big deal? The worst thing that can happen to a sheep is to be scattered and to be lost. All he is is he's just a meal on wheels or hooves For the first predator that comes, they just won't be be able to, you know, express their luck. Look at this. And so it it is… the sheep end up scattered. You think about how many sheep have been scattered out of the different flocks in the body of Christ in churches by this kind of leadership, so I don't want anything to do with church anymore, I don't want anything to do with leaders anymore, I don't want anything to do with anything about these kind of people or those kind of places anymore. Born again, on their way to heaven, but scattered by this kind of, of a leader. And My sheep, they wandered through all the mountains and on every high hill. Yes, my flock was scattered over the whole face of the earth, and no one was seeking or searching uh, for them. And so here are these shepherds completely uncaring in the vulnerability of these sheep. And he uses a physical imagery, the vulnerability of a sheep out in the middle of, uh, in the open of a wilderness, they're doomed. And in the spiritual warfare that we find ourselves in, the highs and the lows of life, all of the challenges and trials that we go through as Christians, we need one another. And we need leaders that look out for us when we, when we are in that kind of place. And it's one thing for leaders to know to do that and to try to do that and fall short, and we will fall short. It's another thing to not give it any concern at all. And that was the heart of these shepherds. And God says, therefore, and there's always a therefore for this kind of thing. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As I live, and the Lord lives, and so this means this is going to come to pass. As I live, says the Lord God, surely because my flock, and you can just circle at least in your mind and maybe physically in your body, How many in your Bible, how many times you're going to see the word my and I now. And any time a shepherd begins to treat a, a flock in this way, that is a shepherd who has forgotten that the flock does not belong to Him, but it belongs to God. You are blood-bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. You do not belong to me. I do not try to take God's place in anybody's uh, life. Uh, that the, the, the flock, the church, every church belongs uh, to God. And only, uh, only a person that's lost sight uh, of that, that I am now talking with a sister who is a part uh, that is of God's flock, a brother who is a part of God's flock. They belong to him. This is his attitude uh, toward them. And surely because my flock became a prey, and my flock became food for every beast of the field, because there was no shepherd, nor did my shepherd search for my flock, But the shepherds fed themselves and did not feed my flock. Therefore, O shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against the shepherds, and I will require my flock at their hand. I will cause them to cease feeding the flock, and the shepherds shall feed themselves no more, for I will deliver my flock from their mouths and they shall no longer be food for them. And God said, what I'm going to do is I'm going to judge them, and I'm going to remove uh, their position before people. I'm going to remove their influence. And so he did. And not only judging the, the, the children of Israel, but then moving into an additional and a further judgment, as will be the case at the end of this age for every leader, a further judgment uh, and and for them on the bad side of things for uh, their their failure and so the Lord says I'm going to remove them I'm going to remove uh, their their influence and then he goes on now and the Lord uh, vows to personally uh, shepherd the uh, the flock in in uh, 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 the the sheep in. Uh, 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 of, of His people. He's going to come in and be to them what the other shepherds were not. So when we get here in, in verse 11, he's, he's talking about the fact that he will do this, and he's, but he also talks a little further in the chapter, chapter of a future shepherd that's going to come. And uh, I'm convinced that he's talking uh, in, in concerning Jesus as the Messiah. Uh, in the kingdom, uh, the kingdom age, but he vows now to personally shepherd uh, his flock and, and his people. They, they, the, the, the false shepherds had completely misrepresented uh, the heart of God uh, before, uh, before the people, and, uh, and, and toward, uh, God toward His people, and during this period of, of exile, God says, I am removing these folks, and now I'm going to be uh, uh, your shepherd, and I'm going to take care of you. For thus says the Lord God, indeed, I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out. And as the shepherd seeks out his flock on the day, He is among his scattered sheep, so I will seek out my sheep and deliver them from all the places where they were scattered on a cloudy and dark day. And I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries and will bring them to their own land. I will feed them on the mountains of Israel and in the valleys and in all the inhabited places of the country. I will feed them in good pasture and their their fold shall be on the high mountains of Israel. There they shall lie down in a good fold and feed on rich pasture in the mountains of Israel. I will feed my flock, and I will make them to lie down, says the Lord God. I will seek what was lost and bring back what was driven away and bind up the broken and strengthen what was sick. I will destroy the fat and strong and feed them in judgment. In other words, God says, I will do and I will be what these uh, shepherds failed to do and be among, uh, among uh, my people. And here's the… It is important for us to realize it, as Christians that shepherds do fail. Uh, it, it, it try is, is hard… as as they might, uh, as we might. We do fail. And uh, and then even here where you have uh, shepherds in this category, as he's describing them here, that have just misrepresented God horribly. And maybe you come out of that kind of a, a church history or that kind of an experience in in your Christian history where these were the kind of leaders, these were the kind of things that were done to you. You uh, were neglected. You weren't properly fed. You weren't properly looked after. You were treated as, as uh, nothing. Everything was all about them. They were uh, their own little uh, popes. And I like what I heard Don McClure say a million years ago that there's a whole bunch of Protestant uh, pastors that are uh, 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 bitter with Roman Catholicism because the office of pope is already taken. Uh, so they go into Protestantism to uh, establish their own little popedom in their the little places that they go. And I embrace that exhortation and, and that tendency that can be in, in, in all of us. But if that is a part of your history, and you remain bitter toward authority that God has established in the church necessarily, untrusting of that, that that continues, and felt that you had been just left all alone and to the wolves and nobody cared. What you have to stop and look at, all of that might have happened, but when any time in our life a shepherd fails us, God never fails us. God steps in and becomes in our lives what He wanted somebody else to become, but when they failed, He stepped in and then didn't He take you through that trial? Didn't He take you through that difficulty? Uh, Didn't He feed you and didn't He clothe you and didn't He uh, speak into you and, and deal with your wounds? And yes, He did. And so it's important that when we run into this kind of a situation and we're prone to think that we're permanently scarred as a result of it, no, 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 to to stop and remember that yes, they were all of that in that history in my life, but I also know and I give Him praise for the fact that He stepped in and was to me in that dark hour uh, what they ought to have been and were, uh, were, uh, were not. God is always going to be faithful uh, to His people. And then he uh, moves here and, and continues in verse 17, in the, the, the present uh, of, of Ezekiel's time. But as for you, O my flock, thus says the Lord, God, behold, I shall judge between sheep and sheep between rams and goats. And then he… And, and here we're not talking about rams and goats. Sometimes we think about the sheep and the goats and solely in New Testament imagery that he's talking about saved and unsaved. That that imagery doesn't carry here. Uh, in, in the ancient world, sheep and goats were all part of the same uh, flock. So he's talking about… Uh, leaders and uh, the whole flock all together, including leaders, including the people, uh, whatever they might be, rams or or sheep and sheep and rams and goats. And and, and he rebuked the leaders. And he said, is it too little for you to have eaten up all of the good pasture uh, that you must tread down with your feet the residue of your pasture and to have drunk of the clear waters uh, that you must foul the residue with your feet. I mean, you, you can picture it in your mind, and you should. So here you have a stream that is going through uh, and rich pasture on each side. And here you have these uh, leaders represented by these great rams or these the sheep. And, and they come in, and they, they eat up whatever they want uh, in the terms of the grazing. And then what they don't eat, they trample it under their feet. Uh, They ruin it for the sheep that need to come behind them and then eat as well. And then they tromp into the stream and they muddy the stream and make it a mess uh, uh, so that uh, nobody else can come and be refreshed by it uh, uh, at all. And the imagery is strong. I mean, uh, uh, here you've uh, you've got someone who is just clearly thinking only about themselves and everybody else can just uh, kind of forget it. And that, that's the way that it was. I mean, imagine the imagery. Imagine the sense of self importance a person has to have to th- be so self consumed in their decision making and in their uh, receiving to themselves that they have no thought for anyone else. And yet, this is, this is where, uh, where they got. And the Lord likened all of it to imagery that they could readily understand. And as for my flock, they eat what you have trampled and, uh, and with your feet, and they drink what you have fouled with your uh, feet. And therefore, thus says the Lord God to them, Behold, I myself will judge between the fat and the lean sheep. And all the leaders were fat uh, and and prosperous, and the sheep were lean. God said, it won't be hard for me to pick out uh, who's been uh, playing this game corruptly because you have pushed with side and shoulder, they use their position. You see this big kind of ram or uh, whatever, pushing every, everything else out of its way. And you butted all of the weak ones with your horns and scattered them abroad. Therefore, I will save my flock and they shall no longer be a prey. And I will judge between the sheep uh, and the sheep. And the only way that God could remove this uh, kind of, thing that was making a prey of his people was to remove and judge uh, these leaders. And so these leaders had come, become uh, bullies. Um, I don't know what there is about me, um, but there are hardly anything, there's hardly anything in life I dislike more than a bully. And it wasn't because I've been bullied in my life. I haven't been. But I, I, it, it just strikes such a deep chord within me uh, to see someone who has an upper hand on other people, and to use that upper hand to abuse other people, and to make a show of it. I, it, it, uh, I, I dislike it uh, whenever I see it, and uh, and I, I uh, try for it not to be characteristic of of my own uh, my own life. And the only bully that's worse than a physical bully is a spiritual bully uh, who hides behind God and uh, takes a position that's been given to him by God, and then uses that to push people around in life. And uh, that's exactly what they were doing. We used to have a bird feeder in our backyard, and I like birds. Um, that I, wore, I wore a colorful shirt this morning, and some of the people who can't figure out what in the world was the pattern, Uh, There are birds. And uh, I have little bird things all over the house or whatever it might be that if I'm traveling or something and I see something like that, I might just pick it up and bring it. And it it reminds me of a a great truth that I have a need to be constantly reminded of, and that is that the Lord, uh, He takes care of the birds of the air. And they don't have barns, they, they don't have all of this storage systems, and yet He takes care of them and has promised that he will, he will take care of us. Then we have this bird feeder in the back, and then we put this bird feed in there. It was a mix from uh, orchard hardware, and, uh, and they, the, the birds would come, and they certainly knew which seeds they wanted, the little black ones they wanted the most and uh, those would uh, disappear first and it was this thing up on a pole and then the seed would fall to the ground and everyone would go to the ground once it was out of the, uh, the feeder and then peck away on it and then uh, I would uh, invariably watch some kind of bigger bird come in and shoot all of the other little birds away uh, in order to um, uh, take and, uh, and eat all of the, the feed themselves and I would go get my BB gun, I'm just kidding, <laughs> and but I, I would watch it from the window. I like watching birds, and I would just say, look at that crummy, big bird coming in here and bullying their way around on this. There's a coffee shop that I like to go to, and um, and I'm riding my bike, and I've maybe done a super long ride, and uh, there's a, it's a bakery that serves coffee, and uh, just as a little kind of a treat, you know, I go in and get a… a uh, 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 a croissant and, uh, and, and always add a little butter to it. No, I don't. I mean, there's enough butter in a croissant. Croissant, a little jelly, and a cup of coffee, and I'll sit. And these birds come all over the place, you know, to begin to, any kind of crumbs you might leave. And uh, so I'll take some of that stuff and, you know, out of the bag and I'll just throw it on the ground there and the birds will come around. And then uh, invariably this big bird will come, bully bird comes in here. And uh, and now there's not a pane of glass separating me from, from, them. And I'll shoo him away, and keep shooing him away until all the little ones know he knows he can't come back. And they just get to eat their their foot fill. Now I'm probably killing the little birds because they're not supposed to eat croissants. And uh, we were when we Karen and I were on vacation recently in Canada, and uh, now I'm, my my whole mind is now just going to flood with bird stories. But we were on vacation in Canada, and there was, I forget where we were, I think it was in um, Vancouver, and they had this little area, and, they, and it was a bakery-like thing, too, just gravitate toward these bakeries, and, uh, but it had a sign out there not to give anything to the birds because it was um, uh, passive animal cruelty or whatever, whatever it was. It's, it's probably true, uh, but… Um, I, I thought, boy, before they're done with us, we'll just have to all walk in a row as zombies uh, in in life to please everybody with these these kind of, of expectations. But this this bullying that that sometimes goes on, and God, He, he paints the picture here and, and and exposes it as as as, as, as unattractive uh, on the on the printed page as it, as, it, as it is in actual. Uh, actual uh, life. And um, I'm very thankful for uh, our leadership in this church. Uh, 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 I never see a hint of this in their treatment of people. And because you have uh, butted out of the way, therefore, again, verse 32, uh, 22 rather, I will save my flock, and they will no longer be a prey, and I will judge between sheep uh, and uh, sheep. And then he goes, jumps forward, I think, here in verses 23 and 24, and he jumps forward into uh, the future and uh, talking about uh, the shepherd, uh, the appearance in human history of a shepherd that he identifies here, as we'll see a moment, as my uh, servant uh, David. And this, the appearance of this particular shepherd will bring an end to uh, not only all bad shepherds, but uh, all mediocre shepherds and, and uh, good shepherds at all by, by comparison, whether they're secular or whether they're uh, spiritual, uh, the, uh, but especially these kind of leaders that have marked so much of, of, of man's history. And uh, it's possible that the shepherd he refers to here as, as he mentions him, he'll call him my servant David. It's possible that uh, this refers to King David himself, uh, who was uh, uh, like all the Old Testament and all the New Testament saints. He will rule with Jesus Christ uh, in the kingdom age, the thousand-year Reign of of Christ. And so it's very, very possible that God is speaking here uh, about uh, that uh, King David's jurisdiction during the kingdom age uh, under Jesus is going to be Jerusalem uh, itself, or all this could be referring to uh, Jesus himself. And the the reference to David is a reference to Messiah coming from the bloodline uh, of. Uh, of David, which is one of the the identification marks of of the Messiah, fulfilled completely in Jesus. Personally, I'm inclined to believe that these two verses, we will get to them, by the way, uh, to believe that these refer to Jesus because the description uh, that follows it in verses 20. Uh, 25 to 31 uh, speaks strongly of uh, and describes a world that is going to exist in uh, the kingdom age as a result of Jesus ruling and reigning during that thousand years. And so God says, in contrast, uh, the shepherd that he is going to send, I will establish one shepherd over them, and he shall feed them, my shepherd David. And he shall feed them and they and be their shepherd. And so it will be something when the Lord is the shepherd in the world, and everyone is tended by his, uh, his care. And I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David, a prince among them, I the Lord have uh, spoken. And I will make a covenant, he declares. He's talking about the future uh, of the sheep. I will make a covenant of peace with them and cause wild beasts to cease from the land and they will dwell safely in the wilderness and sleep uh, in the woods. In other words, uh, uh, under his care, the world will be a place of peace. I will make them and the places all around my hill a blessing. And I will cause showers to come down in their season. There shall be showers uh, of blessings. Blessings in that age described as just a continual shower of them. And then the trees of the fields shall yield their fruit and the earth will yield her increase, and they shall be safe in their land, and they shall know that I am the Lord, when I have broken the bands of their yoke, and delivered them from their hand of those who enslave them. And they shall no longer be a prey for the nations, nor shall, shall beasts of the land devour them, but they shall dwell safely, and no one shall make them uh, afraid, And so, uh, again, this has a, a near and a far fulfillment. It was fulfilled in part when the children of, of Israel returned to Is, the land of Israel from the Babylonian captivity, but its fullest fulfillment will be uh, in, in the kingdom age. I will raise up for them a garden of renown. I don't know how many uh, gardeners we have uh, in the room here and what you've planted for uh, this summer. But uh, here's a plaque you could put out there, a garden of renown. And uh, actually, if you're going to can anything or or jar them or, or anything like that, that'd be a great sticker, wouldn't it? From the garden of renown. But that, speaking of, of of how the food and all, and of course, here we sit today, and, and probably none of us are starving to death. We tend to have full bellies here in the United States of America, but in vast parts of the world, um, a full belly is a luxury, and the idea of an age coming to the uh, to the earth, where uh, hunger will be uh, uh, permanently and wonderfully satisfied is a great. A great image. And they shall no longer be consumed with hunger in the land, uh, nor bear the shame of Gentiles anymore. And thus they shall know that I, the, uh, the Lord their God, am uh, with them, and uh, 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 with them. And they, the house of Israel, are my people, says the Lord God. You are my flock, uh, the flock of my pasture, uh, you are men. I am your God, says the Lord God. And he speaks that to the children of Israel. And what he says about us as New Testament strength, uh, uh, saints is even stronger. Uh, here he is willing to say, I am your God, despite the mess that they had made of everything. I, like, uh, I love that one, one of the songs that we sing. I love all the songs we sing. Um, well, except for a couple. Uh, but but they, we don't sing them anymore. Uh, just because they've run their course. And, and it's a long story, and I won't bother you. But there's that, that line, um, Oh, Lord, you never let go through the highs and through the lows. Oh, Lord, you never let go. Lord, you never let go of me. And he never let go of these people. And he never, ever lets go of uh, of us either. Let's go into uh, chapter 35 because it's kind of a review of, of something that we saw earlier in chapter uh, chap- chapter 25 and uh, a prophecy of the judgment of Seir which was uh, Edom uh, and the, the Edomites were the descendants of, uh, of Esau, the brother of Jacob and they were probably the fiercest and kind of the longest running uh, uh, group of people who meted out hostility toward uh, the Jewish people. And God, uh, even though He spoke to them back in chapter 25, uh, that He was going to judge her, uh, he, he repeats it here in, in chapter 35, I think, again, just because of the utter ruthlessness with which uh, she attacked Judah during her time of, of vulnerability. And you might remember that when Babylon came in and took the land of Judah, and then conquered the city of Jerusalem. And while God was using Babylon as an instrument of judgment against His people, chastening, that the Edomites then came out of the hills. They came out of their land now to take advantage of the situation in order to uh, gain land for themselves, uh, loot uh, uh, wealth from the Jews, and even kill the Jews. And God took note of it, and he, He speaks of His... Uh, his judgment against them. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, set your face against Mount Seir and prophesy against it, and say to it, Thus says the Lord God Behold, I am against Mount Seir, I am against you. I will stretch out my hand against you and make you most desolate. I will lay your cities waste, and you shall be desolate. Uh, Then you will know that I am the Lord. So you know how you can buy those little uh, promise boxes that you can put on your table and pull one out in the morning and read some promise from God? This was the only promise in Edom's promise box. And you don't want a promise box like that, but they had earned it. And uh, uh, they were going to find out, uh, uh, much to their surprise, that um, you may be able to defeat uh, God's people, but you never defeat God. And, uh, and He is always protective of His people, even when we are uh, way out in, in left field uh, sometimes. And so He speaks to them about the judgment that He was going to bring against them. He was going to bring uh, uh, an utter uh, desolation uh, uh, of them. And, and really, chapter 35 is is kind of a, a chapter that uh, works together with uh, chapter 36. Chapter 36 speaks of the restoration uh, of the Jews back into the land. And so uh, when, you, when you look at chapter 35 and 36, when you pick up your newspaper every day, nobody reads the newspaper anymore, but some of you do, but not many anymore, but you see your news, and every day uh, in the news, uh, which of the two nations do you see mentioned? Israel, 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 Israel. Uh, what is uh, the name of one country you never hear mentioned in the news? Edom. And uh, every time you pick up the news or you are aware of uh, world events, and Edom is not spoken about, and Israel is spoken about, uh, you're talking about the fulfillment of a prophecy that God gave uh, thousands of years ago. And here are the reasons for. Uh, the judgment that God uh, brought upon her, uh, because you have had an ancient hatred. Again, we we looked at this when we looked at chapter 25, but what what drove uh, the Edomites when, when the Jews were put in a vulnerable place by their defeat before the Babylonians what uh, part of what uh, uh, drove the Edomites in looting and sacking and, and advancing into Judah was not just a chance for loot, but it was it was a, an opportunity to make even. Uh, a, a grudge or an ancient hatred. Again, the battle, the warfare, the bad blood between Judah and Israel in general and Edom had gone on uh, for centuries. And so now here was a chance to uh, take advantage uh, of, of this and, uh, and, and repay. I think it's important for us to sit here Uh, this evening in that that regard. We talked about it a little bit from a little different angle when we were in chapter 25. But is there anybody in this room who does not, has never experienced the emotion of hatred? Okay, so we all know what that feels like, right? And for uh, the recording... I want it to be on record that not a single person raised their hand. We all understand what hatred feels like uh, toward another uh, person. And the question for us tonight is not if we know in the past what it feels like, but do you have hatred toward anyone tonight? And if you do you are one very large step toward repeating the mistake that the Edomites made. And if you hold a hatred, or I do, in our hearts tonight over an ancient issue between another person, then the danger that I will make Edom's mistake is compounded in, in, in a multiplied way. We, all we're waiting for now is the opportunity to get even. And that is not a big enough margin to keep between us and an opportunity to get even when so often that opportunity does arise in the course of our lives. What has to happen is that that hatred, that hatred over that issue... If that cannot be resolved with the other person, it has to at least be resolved between me and God so that it keeps those two steps between me and what I would otherwise be tempted to do in, in, uh, in taking vengeance into my own hands. And they have, on top of that influence of that ancient ha- hatred, you have shed the blood of the children of Israel by the power of the sword at the time of their calamity when they, uh, their iniquity came to an end. They in- invaded the land themselves and began to kill uh, Jews, taking advantage of, of the weakness and the, in- the victory of Babylon. And therefore, as I live, says the Lord God, I will prepare you for blood, and blood shall pursue you. Since you have not hated blood, therefore blood shall pursue you. And it's like, uh, hey, Buckaroo, think you're a big shot? Think you're a tough guy when I brought Babylon in to humble my people and put them in a place of tremendous vulnerability? And then you jump in like a coward out of left field. You wouldn't take them head on, but you'll take them like this, like a jackal, like a hyena. And you think you're a tough guy? You like blood? I'll give you blood. Who can play at this game, and you can't win against me on that. It's like this thing, you know, you see these, these people that are out um, in these demonstrations in the cities where they've got their motorcycle helmets on, and they've got their masks across their face, and they find people that are in groups of one and two, and there's 50 of them, and they're going to beat them up. And it won't be long before you'll have equal numbers on both sides. And, and I don't I don't think that the masked people will fare very well, but hopefully law enforcement will come in and do the, gov- the job that government is supposed to do, so the citizens don't uh, get down to that level. But this, again, this bullying, this kind of thing, it has a way of coming back uh, on your head. And God, and here specifically with God's judgment, and He said, "Thus I will make Mount Seir uh, most desolate and cut it off from, uh, 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 cut off from it." Uh, the one who leaves and the one who returns. And I will leave its mountains with the slain on your hills and in your valleys and in all your ravines, those who are slain by the sword shall fall. And that happened when Babylon then turned its attention on Edom and judged them as well. God using them as an instrument of judgment. And I will make you perpetually desolate and your cities shall be uninhabited. Then you shall know that I am Uh, the Lord. The Lord would rather we come to know Him on the basis of His goodness and His mercy, Uh, but in this kind of a case, uh, strong medicine but at least they would come to know that uh, the, they looked at the children of Israel and they thought, ah, uh, their God doesn't exist, or their God doesn't know how to take care of them. And when I rise up and I defend them at your expense, he says, then you'll know that I am the Lord. And because you have said these two nations and these two countries shall be mine, talking about the northern kingdom of Israel, southern kingdom of Judah, they looked at it and said, all right, this is all going to become us, mine. This is a power shift in the Middle East. We're going to possess them uh, although the Lord was there. God said, therefore, as I live, says the Lord God, I will do according to your anger and uh, according uh, to the envy which you showed in your hatred against them, and I will make myself known among them when I judge you. So there isn't karma in the universe, but there is a sowing and reaping process. And there is a God who watches over his people and corrects injustices. And God said, that's what I'm going to take care of here. And then you shall know that I am the Lord. I have heard all of your blasphemies. Uh, which you have spoken against the mountains of Israel, saying they are desolate, uh, they are given to us to consume. So apparently when they came in, after the devastation of the land by the Babylonians, they came into the land and they began to mock the idea, this is a land of milk and honey, give me a break, you know. And they began to scorn even God's definition uh, of, uh, uh, of the land. And, uh, and God took note of that, and, he, and it was blasphemy, and, and, and He heard it. And thus, uh, with your mouth, you have uh, boasted against me and multiplied your words against me. I have heard them. He hears hears all uh, words. And uh, thus says the Lord God, the whole earth will rejoice when I make you desolate. And that's always a sad uh, thing, isn't it? When uh, you you know you have misbehaved in life as an individual, when uh, they hold your memorial service, and uh, there's only six people there, and they… they all work at the funeral home, uh, always an indication of a, a poorly spent life, or uh, you lived a good life, but you outlived um, everybody. And that… that can happen too. And, and, but here is a nation where it is going to disappear, and nobody's going to a- a- attend their funeral. In fact, they'll rejoice uh, when they're gone. And as you rejoice because of the inheritance of the house of Israel, uh, uh, because the inheritance of the house of Israel was desolate, so I will do to you, you shall be desolate, O Mount Seir, as well as all Edom, all of it, and then they shall know that I am the uh, Lord." The beautiful thing, and we'll, and we'll see more of it when we get into chapter 36, is the children of Israel. They they failed, and they failed uh, massively. Uh, but uh, God would not, and in our own lives, He will not allow failure to be the final word in our lives. He will work mightily in His chastening, His discipline, His love, His grace. Uh, to make His grace and His goodness and His love for us the final uh, testimony concerning uh, our lives. But we'll stop there tonight and pick it up in uh, chapter 36. uh, And we'll look to do chapter 36 and 7 next week as well as enjoying the Lord's Supper. So let's have the worship team come forward and let's stand and we'll pray. And before we do pray, if, if you're here tonight and you are not a Christian, you've just come into a church, or you're searching in life and wondering what life is about, does the God of the Bible have anything for you, anything uh, to say to you? And He certainly does. And He wants to save you tonight and forgive you of your sins and bring you into a relationship with Him through His Son. And there's going to be pastors and other men and women up in front immediately after the service, and we'd love to answer your questions and pray with you to begin that relationship with God tonight. If any of you need prayer for anything in your life tonight, we'd love to pray with you and for you as well. Don't take the weight of the world out of this room and out into your car again and leave in the same condition you came in when there's somebody can pray with you tonight and lift those things up to the Lord and we can bear one another's burdens and fulfill the uh, law and the love of Christ as a result. Father, thank You for our time in Your Word tonight, and we pray that You would use this time to purge and to refine and to cut away anything that is within us that we see brought Your judgment and brought Your chastening and and Your disfavor uh, on others. And so we pray, too, that you would build into our lives, Lord, and affirm in our hearts the things that your Word affirmed in us and in our relationship with you and the decisions that we're making and the choices we're making in life and living the life that we are, uh, even if it's out of tune not only with the world, but even others who are Christian. And so thank you for this time tonight. Uh, We are grateful for Your Word and grateful to have been able to study it together tonight with You. And we thank You in Jesus' name. Amen.